welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 200. In 24, a trumpet caller playing lesson with Mark Sharp, and I am your host, and the guy who did not get it done this past weekend, and also the guy that sounds like his voice is changing, like he finally hit puberty. <laughs> so, and I'll tell you a little bit more about what I'm talking about by not getting it done this past weekend, but right now we are 30 days. I'm going to say it again because I like hearing it. 30 days, 9 hours, 16 minutes, and 19 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And so I mentioned to you guys that I did not get it done this weekend. And what I'm talking about is I did not kill a deer. And it's probably the first season in over 30 years that I have not killed a deer. But I'm okay with it. I'm not going to try to jump out of the window of my one-story office building to end it all because of my depression of not killing a deer because I took my dad over to my property in Chilton County, south of Birmingham, Saturday afternoon, and he killed a 10-point. And that kept his streak of 30-plus years of killing a deer alive. And he was fired up as well. And that was enough for me. I didn't need to kill a deer. Plus, I've got the deer meat from his deer. At the processor right now. So, all is well in my world. Pops was happy. I'm happy. Everybody happy. And speaking of weekends, you know this weekend is the NWTF convention in Nashville. If you plan on being there, I would love to meet you. Shake your hand. Or for you ladies who listen to the show, give you a hug. And I'm Italian. I give good hugs. I'm just playing around. I'm not being creepy here. Um, That's a joke. So, Any of you ladies who listen to the show, I'd love to shake your hand as well, unless you want a hug, and then I'll give you one of those. So here's how to make it happen. Send me a text message at 205-201-1448. That's 205-201-1448. Tell me who you are and how long you're going to be at the show. Then we'll make it happen. You know, I have some pretty busy days planned, but I will definitely make a few minutes to catch up with you at some point. So just do me a favor, though. Don't wait until an hour or two before you're going to be leaving the show because I may be in a seminar or in an interview and may not be able to catch you before you leave. So 
let's do this. I look forward to meeting you, and please travel safely getting to and from the show. I think there's supposed to be some rain off and on throughout the weekend, so put on your patient cap while you're playing in traffic. Today I have Mark Sharp on the show again to help me with my trumpet calling. I called Mark to help me because he makes wing bones and yelpers, and because he knows how to play them very well, and because he's just a heck of a nice guy. I think that if you really want to know how to play a certain type of collar well, then have someone who makes that type of collar or competitively plays that type of collar teach you and coach you through the correct way to play it. Basically, I just recommend that we don't take calling lessons from someone who sounds like a goose on any turkey collar. I think it was a couple of weeks ago that I told you guys that I've been practicing my trumpet calling and I felt like I was almost there. I was, and still am to some extent, struggling with consistency. One series of yelps sounds great, and the next series of yelps sounds like a dog swallowed an actual trumpet and is trying to cough it up. My original calling lessons from someone last year with the trumpet were very brief. I mean very brief. And I didn't ask very many questions of that person because of time constraints for both that person and me. So I had questions that I needed answers to, and I knew that Mark would be the person for me to call to get some answers to my questions. And I thought, okay, why not record this conversation and see if there's enough information to make a show out of it? Well, an hour into my phone call with Mark, I felt like I needed to make a show out of this call with him. Now, I don't want you to think that it's a call about playing trumpets, wing bones, and yelpers only. If you have no interest in learning to play those instruments, then there are still a ton of takeaways from this conversation with Mark that we all can benefit from. So periodically during the interview with him, ask yourself, how can that tip or tidbit of information help me be a better caller of wild turkeys with a box, with a diaphragm, with a pot and peg? Because there are a lot of takeaways for us to become better callers of wild turkeys with these tips that we get from Mark. All right, I'm through talking for right now. So here's Mark Sharp with a trumpet collar playing lesson, or should I say a turkey collar playing lesson, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey guys, I am glad to tell you that I have Mark Sharp on the line with me tonight, and I've called Mark because I'm having some issues, and I'm Well, there's no hopeful to it. I know Mark can help me get over my issues here. (laughs) You guys may remember Mark from when I had him on the show to dissect a wing bone call. And then Mark is also one of the gentlemen that put on the Unicoi Turkey Call Maker show up at the Unicoi State Park in Helen, Georgia every January. And Mark, one unique thing about Mark, at least in my mind, is that I don't believe there is a type of turkey call that he cannot play and play well. And so I'm having some issues just with my consistency on a trumpet call that I have. And I figure out of everybody that I know, I'm going to call Mark and get, see if Mark can take some time and and give me some pointers to maybe help me to get to where I can sound a little bit better on this thing. So I'm going to say this and then I'm going to say, hello, Mark. But what I'm going to say is Mark and everyone listening to the show 
you guys are sure to get some laughs out of me trying to play this trumpet call. But this is something that I am making a point this year to kill a turkey, to call in and kill a turkey. Either me pulled the trigger or a hunting buddy pulled the trigger using a trumpet. And I've made my mind up. And if I don't kill a turkey this year, it might be because I can't work the trumpet call. <laughs> but I'm, we're going to figure this thing out. So, Mark, hello. I hope you're doing well. How's everything been going with you? Hey, Andy, man, everything's been going good for me. And I hope the same for you. You know, recuperating after Unicoi and, and, you know, trying to get out here and build a few calls and all that. I understand your frustration. Whenever I first started trying to play trumpet calls, I went through some of the same, very same things. And we'll just, you know, you, you just let me know what you need to ask, and I'll see if I can answer the questions for you. I might not be the best one to answer, but I'll darn sure give it my best shot. All right. So, like I said, really, I kind of think my biggest issue that I'm having is consistency with it because I can put the call to my mouth and run it one series of yelps, and I think, holy cow, every turkey around is going to run over himself to get to me. And then I can pull the call away, and I can put it back to my mouth and run it and can't even hardly make it make a sound at all. And so I, I know... I'm probably doing something, but I'm hoping you can get me get me going on it. And if you want me to play some, I'll play some. You just say when. But yeah, what okay. what have what's the key in being consistent using a trumpet or a wing bone for that matter? Because I would imagine the consistency is going to be about the same no matter which one of those instruments you're playing, isn't it? Well, you know, Andy, I I have people ask me all the time which is the easiest to play a trumpet, wing bone, or a yelp. Well, you know, really and truly, the basics are all the same. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the mouthpiece shape's a little bit different. You know, you 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 got a wing bone. A lot of times, it's got a a flat top on it with a with a rounded bottom. You can't say that that is the deciding factor because I know guys, two guys in particular, that build a a man-made material or or whatever. You know that that has a mouthpiece that's shaped like a wing bone. You know it's flat on top and it's flat on the bottom. Some people can play those a little bit better. A lot of people play a, a cylindrical round mouthpiece better. Some people play a tapered one better, and you even get into whether or not that mouthpiece has an angle cut on the end or not. Well, I won't go into the angle part of it. You know, everybody's got a different opinion on that. What I will say is, Andy, that one of the most important things that I have found is lip stop adjustment and the way that that lip stop is made. Now, I can't play one near as well that has a flat lip stop. I want mine rolled just a little bit with a little, you know, it's rounded off mm -hmm. and rolled on the edge of it. Now, okay. and another thing that I looked for, like I said, was lip stop adjustment. That That is one of the most important factors of playing any call. Now, you can shove that thing down to its three-eighths of an inch. You're not going to get a good sound out of it. And, and bear in mind that everybody's lips are different. Mm -hmm. Now, my little wife can play 
a an air operated call, whether it be wingbone, trumpet, yelp, or whatever, she plays her lip stop just about an eighth of an inch down from the end of that mouthpiece. Wow. I can't play one there. Yeah, I get good clucks on it, but whenever it's time for a yelp, you seem to break your seal on that yelp. So, you know, each call is going to be different. And, Andy, I find, too, that the smaller the mouthpiece is, the further I have to run that lip stop down. Now, let's take into consideration, too, that sometimes, you know, I I play calls probably 350 days a year here in this shop. Mm -hmm. Some days I'm on some days I'm off. You know, sometimes your mouth is dry, your lips are dry. So it all makes a difference whenever you play those calls. But one thing that I'd like to say, too, is whenever you play that call, and and a lot of people just sit there and pop, 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 pop. You know, they're, they're not really making yelps. Right. In order to get that full yelp, you need to bring that air all the way to the back of your throat. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to have, you know, so you got to bring that air all the way to the back of your throat. You know, a lot of people just sit there and pop, 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 Right. Well, that's not a yelp. You know, you don't hear the rollover in that call. So, yeah. you know. That, that was, when I, when I got this call, last year that was one of the things that i was doing and that's one of the reasons why i never even took it out i did take it in the woods with me but i never really used it is because it wasn't a yelp that i was making it was kind of like a series of clucks right you know that that when i piece it all together would have been like a series of yelps is supposed to be and so i just kind of got to that point to where i could get to i i guess i should say I just got to that point where I realized that to get that rollover, that break in that yelp, you do have to pull in a lot more air than what I was thinking you needed to pull in. Well, you know, Andy, a lot of people think that, and it took me, it was an epiphany for me, whenever I first started playing one, I thought I sounded pretty good. But, you know, I I talked to a guy and he kept telling me softer 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 and i said got it that gum this call plays as soft as anything i've ever played he and he kept reiterating softer and it was like a light bulb went off in my head you know it's not the amount of air that you draw into it you know you just want to be consistent and 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 it's a lot of practice as to how soft you want to play this call now you know i I think i might have told you before I spent about 10 or 12 years living in a camper out on the road in my, in my work. And I would sit around at night and just see just how soft I could play this call, you know. And, and that's what I said. This guy kept telling me softer. And I used the same thing that 90% of the other guys say that, hey, man, this call plays easy. Well, it's not about easy. It's how easy you play the call, you know. Right. So, you know, there's a big difference in in how much air you can suck through it. I mean, you know, you can play this joker hard enough to suck skeeters through the end of it if you want to. <laughs> but that that's not what makes that turkey sound, you know. Right. And the modulation with your hands has a lot to do with it. 
I mean, whenever I want to get really quiet, I play a call one-handed, you know. And I know a lot of people play them with the right hand. I play mine with my left hand because generally my gun, I shoot right-handed. My gun's up to my shoulder. It's sitting on my right knee over here. I'm sitting there balled up, and I got to call with my left hand, you know. And I'm making little seductive hand yelps with it and little whines and clucks. And, you know, I'll hold that call in my hand right up to I pull the trigger on it. Yeah. Can you purr on one? No. You know, I have people ask me all the time, can I purr on one? Can I gobble on one? And, you know, I can't purr on one. I, I can whine on one. Mm-hmm. But to me, there are so many better calls out there to make a purr. I mean, I've heard guys that do purrs on trumpet calls, and to me, they do not sound like a contented turkey call. They sound more as an aggressive call. Now, as far as the gobble on one, hey, every once in a while, I can roll off the most beautiful gobble that you've ever heard, but that's not something that I'm going to do in the woods, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you call me up and ask me, well, okay, can you gobble on one? And generally what I do then is I go into a cut and cackle, which I very seldom do in the woods, and then I fall into a gobble, you know, because of the excitement of it. But that's not a call that I use in the woods because, there again, I think that there are other calls that make that sound a lot better than what a trumpet call makes, you know. Yeah, okay. All right, so... Give me some tips on the lip stop adjustment. What would you say just on average when you're showing somebody how to work a call? I know it's got a lot to do with the diameter of the opening and whatever else, but what would you say is a good starting point for the average person? About five sixteenths. That's generally a quarter to five sixteenths is generally about where I start. And whenever I do that, I'll set that call to there, and then the sound that I want to hear is mm-hmm. whenever I hear that clear whine like that, then I generally know that I've got my lip stop adjusted to where it needs to be because if i got it up too high, I'm not going to get that good whine to it. If I've got it down too far, then I'll spend a lot of time hunting that, and whenever I draw through the call, all I'm getting is air through it. You know, you get it too far down, all you get is air. You get it too far up, you're not going to get that good, clear whine to it. Mm -hmm. And so that whine, that first clear whine that you get, that is the the beginning of your yelp, you know. Right. And like I said, a lot of it makes a difference as to how, what it, what the profile of that top is on that call you know you got one that's ground off flat it doesn't feel good up against your lips i mean and everybody's different you know let let me say that everybody's different everybody's lips are are shaped different some's got thin lips some's got full lips some's got medium lips and that's the reason that lip stop is so crucial to people so like i said my wife she can run one up with a quarter of an inch, and I got a good buddy that's, uh, you know, he's a grand national champion. He can run one right up there to an eighth of an inch, and that just had never been me. So you just have to play with that and find out you want that good, clear run in. That's what you want to start your yup off with. Okay. 
Are you getting that break or that rollover in your yelp by dropping your, your tongue back or putting your tongue up closer to the opening in that call? Well, I'll tell you what I told another guy one time. He said, how are you getting that rasp by that call? I said, I really don't know. I said, I, he said, are you concentrating on the front end of that, on the very end of that mouthpiece or, or what? I said, you know, I really don't know. I just play the call. I just try to draw that air all the way back. And it's all done in really in the back of your throat, you know. Mm-hmm. I, it's not that I'm dropping my jaw, you know. I mean, I I know like a mouth call, you got to drop your jaw to get that e-hawk out of there. But you know, and, and I'm I'm probably not the best. I mean, I've I've heard guys that, you know, Mark Pruden, for instance. I mean, that guy is super on one. And Mark plays one a whole different style. He and Zach Farmer both than what I do. But, you know, I, I just want to hear that turkey sound. And I think one of the things is that a, got, a lot of guys just draw way too much air into a call. They haven't spent enough time to to learn the dynamics of the call. I mean, this little call right here, and I'm not going to say whose it is. Uh, you know, this guy, uh, as far as I know, is no longer making trumpets. He was an excellent trumpet maker. But, you know, I've got a four or five of his calls, but you know, I mean, this guy, he, he, and one of the things that most trumpet makers will tell you is, you know, I understand that a big, large portion of the population is not going to be able to be able to play my call. He said, because I build them the way that I play them, you know? And so a lot of times when you get into custom calls, what you get is, is a call that is designed to be played the way that the guy that made it played it. I mean, when, this call right here I've got in my hands. Whenever I first got it, I thought, you know what, I know if I can play this call or not. Well, you got to learn to play the call the way the guy that built the call plays one. And that's one of the key parts of playing an error-operated call. You know, I mean, this call plays super easy. about air control you know like i said i I spent a lot of years in that camper i'd sit around there with my eyes closed and one of the things that i see that that a lot of guys come up is they want to get into cutting and cackling whistling dixie on one well you know a trumpet call is made to yelp cluck cut cackle whatever a guy wants to do and like I said, some people can get furs and some people can get gobbles out of them. But, you know, to me, one of the two most important sounds that a turkey makes is a yelp and a cluck. And so, you know, I would encourage anybody 
to before they start whistling Dixie on one, it's just to sit there and to learn that yelp and that cluck. I mean, you know. Right. That cluck has probably killed more turkeys than any other call put together, you know. But, uh, you know, and, and, and with these calls, a lot of people say, well, how about build me a gobbler yelp? You know, oh, I want one that sounds like a jake. I want one that sounds like a young hen. I want one that sounds like an old hen. Well, you know, that old hen is probably the most, how do I want to say this? If you ask anybody what an old hen sounds like, if you ask 100 people, you get 100 different answers. Right. So, And, you know, if you tell somebody, well, I want one tuned to an old hen, generally what you're going to get is a gobbler call. And, you know, I tell people all the time that, you know, you need to learn to play the call that you have to achieve all those sounds. You know, a lot of it's to do with the modulation of your hands. Like I stated earlier, whenever I want to call softly, I'll play one one handed. I mean, it just. If I want to get a little bit louder and a little bit deeper sound, I'll take my other hand and put it over there and make me a good sound chamber. And if I want to go to a gobbler yelp, I'm going to slow that yelp down and drag that note out with that big sound chamber. So a lot of it's just getting to learn how to play your call. And, you know, so, and, and I get asked questions all the time, like I said earlier about, well, how does a yelper play different than a wing bone or a trumpet call? You know, you know, you got a new guy over here, he's got a trumpet, he's wanting a wing bone. And he says, well, how much different does that wing bone play? Well, I mean, the mechanics of it's all the same, you know, you got a hole from one end to the other mm-hmm. and a lot of it's just how the guy has built the call what size bones he's used to build build a call with and one of the things that i find too like with the hen bone is most people have a tendency to really overplay them so you know here here's a little hen bone There again, whenever I get ready to get soft and quiet, I go to a one-handed method and mm-hmm. cut my sound chamber down. They're they're all basically the same thing. I mean, you know, they're derived from the same instrument, just built out of different substances. Here, here's one of the reed callers that I have. You know, this particular one is a bamboo yelper, which I don't get a whole lot of bamboo, but, you know, my cane yelpers, my cane yelpers I, I do all the time. 
And, you know, they, I, I've got a consistent mouthpiece. I've got a consistent center section. My bell's a little different on the bamboo than what it is on the cane. But, you know, I mean, they all going to play. They're all going to play the same. It, it's just a lot of practice. And I, I'll say right now that, you know, if you want a good sounding air operated call, you need to pick out a guy that's been building calls for several years that, that knows how to play one. A lot of these people that, that get into the air operated trumpets and wing bones and yelpers and all, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of them are still searching for a sound. And that can be real detrimental to a guy like yourself that just picks up one at a show or or through a mail order catalog. You know, you want to build, you want to get one from a guy that 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 knows how to play one. You know, and that's one of my biggest things is you know you see rising stars coming and not saying that that one day eventually that they won't build a good call, but. You know, they're not quite there right now. I mean, you got guys that's been building these calls for 50 years, guys that's been building them for a year. So I've been playing these calls for about 17, 18 years. So, and, you know, I didn't start building wing bones until 2011. So, but, you know, and I have people ask me, well, why did it take you so long to start building one? And I laugh and joke and tell them, well, I find this site decided what one's supposed to sound like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a big learning curve in them, and, and no, a lot of people look at them as a magical call. They're, they're no more magical than a good-sounding box, a good-sounding pot, a good-sounding scratch box or a tube call, you know. It's just something different that maybe a lot of turkeys haven't heard in your neck of the woods. Yeah, and that's, you know, I think for me, it's kind of the challenge. Well, it takes me back to when I was learning how to run a diaphragm call. And <laughs> yeah. I was too shy and embarrassed to even run one in front of somebody in the woods. Right. Too shy and embarrassed to even run one in front of a turkey. But I was determined to learn yeah. how to play one because I felt like I needed to know it because in those close situations and I need to make some sort of some sort of a turkey sound that's going to be the best way for me to do it without moving my body right so and I I don't necessarily have to know how to play a trumpet to kill turkeys because lord knows I've killed close to a hundred of them without without knowing how to play one but Mm -hmm. it's adding that new challenge that new element and it gives me a little bit a little bit of a level of even more excitement about the season to be able to, to, you know, I'm, I want, I'm not going to say master this because I haven't mastered any of the calls. I'm good enough with several of them. And that's really all I feel like I need to be. You will never see me in a calling competition because first off, I don't have the ear for it. Secondly, I, I think my wife would leave me if I ran a call around the house all the time, get to get good enough to, to, even compete in a calling contest, but I don't need to be that good. I need to be proficient and consistent. And well, 
you know, that for me, the that's, I guess, running the trumpet or learning to run the trumpet is that new added little challenge as if I really need one, as if the turkey's not enough. Right, right. Well, so, just read an article, and I don't know when it published it. You know, it's an interview in Reader's Digest with Jesse Martin. Mm-hmm. Jesse stated that he practiced three hours a day. You know, I see a lot of these guys on the forums and all the S that, that two weeks before the season comes in, you know, they'll comment, well, I broke out the old trumpet call there and going to do a little practice. Mm. Well, okay, you got Jesse Martin over here that's calling on Grand National Scheme. <laughs> you got a lot of your average hunters over here that are breaking this call out two weeks before the season comes in. How proficient do you think that you're going to be with maybe, let's just say, two weeks before and you practice with it five or ten minutes, you know, every day? That's 14 days, 10 minutes. That's 140 minutes. You know, that's a little over, what, two hours? Two hours yeah. and 20 minutes? Yeah. So how, how good do you expect yourself to be? You know, any turkey call takes time. I mean, like like I told you a while ago, whenever I got this call, whenever I first played it, I said, you know, I'm uh, not real sure about this call. It don't play the way that some of my other ones do. But it boils down to the fact that you need to learn to play that call the way that the guy that designed and built that call plays it. I mean, all these guys have got all kinds of different internals, you know. Okay, we got one with a big flared end over here that's pretty opened up. It goes up certain ways in there. And then he's got a parallel down through there. And then he nicks it down to a 332nd hole in there. And you got another guy that's building one out of Delrin over here. And he's sitting here drilling that thing, you know, a 16th at the time that says, this call's not quite there. I'm not getting exactly what I want out of that call. You see where I'm going to, you got so many different call makers over there that have so many different ideas about how this call is supposed to play. Now, one thing I'll tell you that my uncle told me years ago back during deer hunting and and bird hunting and rabbit hunting, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, the way that you get good with a shotgun is you don't swap up your gun during rabbit season you don't swap up your gun during deer season you don't swap up your gun during quail season you hunt with that same gun year round that way that gun becomes second nature to you and you know you get to the point about calling up a turkey with a trumpet the best way i can tell you to do that is leave your pot calls at home leave your box calls at home leave your scratch boxes at home you know Go out with that trumpet call and be determined that, hey, I'm going to learn this call. You know, the same theory applies. You know, you give the bird what he wants to hear and put the call down. Don't get impressed with yourself about how good you sound on this trumpet, you know, and rattle off 35 or 40 yelps over there and then fall into cutting and cackling, you know. Give him what he wants to hear, just enough to keep his interest. And I'll be honest with you, once you kill one by using a trumpet only, your confidence will be boosted, and they can't nobody tell you anything then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, well, 
like I said, I, I know that it's good enough at times when I'm running it to work to call in a, a bird, but then I'll run it again and I think I've got everything the same, you know, I'm holding it in the same place on my lips and feel like I'm drawing the same amount of air in and I'm just not getting anything out of it. So I've got to, I've got to fix that before I'm going to really be comfortable enough to take it in the woods. But, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm determined to do this and going to make it happen one way or the other. Well, one thing, Andy, I'll tell you is never be afraid to carry one to the woods with you because like my buddy Russell Beard says, when a turkey gets ready to commit suicide, you just can't stop him. You know, and so, you know, that is a big confidence booster right there. There's a lot of truth in that statement. When you carry that call to the woods with you, and one thing that I have found is, and, and some people may disagree with me, but now I have found that if I'm running an air operated call, the, the, the key to it is you want to sound like a turkey. Don't get real enthused with your calling ability and don't worry about the slip ups that you make in it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, because, and I say that meaning that, you know, you can make a bad call to a turkey on a, on a trumpet or a wing bone or a yupper. And okay. You didn't hear anything from him whenever you call to him. That doesn't mean that he's left the county. Right. You know, you come back 15, 20 minutes later and make a, make a call to him and he fires right off. And then you notice that he's come up another hundred yards to you, you know, or 75 yards. But I, I honestly believe deep down inside, and I'll say this, and some people may disagree with me, and that's fine too. But, uh, you know, I'm no expert caller. I mean, you, you, you sitting there, you know, it's one thing for me to sit out here and call on the call in this shop, but you get a gobbler that's answered you uh, 125 yards down there. I promise you, <laughs> that call's not going to sound the same then as what it did when you were just hoping to strike a gobbler you know, to get one to respond to you. You know, the tension and all that it puts on you, it's going to make you sound a little bit different. But to be honest with you, I think an air-operated call is one of the most forgiving calls that there is. I mean, you know, I I don't know if it's the sound. I don't know if it's the fact that maybe they haven't heard them enough. But it all sounds turkey, you know. Mm -hmm. If you sit there and, you got a gobbler down there. You just made a series of calls, and and you got a box call in your hand. You you giving off the best yips that you can on that box call. And all of a sudden, one fires off down there, and you know, you sit there and you wait a little bit. Then probably that next call is gonna sound like a woodpecker up there on the tree. You know, with your hands shaking so bad. So I, I, don't, I don't think that a turkey is fixing to sit there and nitpick you to death and say, well, hey, that's a Andy Gaggiano over there on a Mark Sharp wing bone, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it's it's a lot of practice. Like I said, lip stop adjustment, the design of that lip stop has a lot to do with it. The shape of that mouthpiece itself. You know, I've seen a lot of trumpets that come up, and they're pretty fat on the end. Those take a little bit different playing ability. 
I don't know. It's just getting used to, and a lot of it boils down to what feels comfortable in your mouth, too. Right, yeah. I mean, and, you know, if you've got a real small tapered mouthpiece that comes up, and maybe that's not as comfortable to you. Maybe that thing needs to be a little fuller on the end of it. Maybe it needs to come up to just a gradual taper all the way. And I've seen guys that roll the ends of the of the mouthpieces versus guys that bring them up at a straight taper and just cut that thing off square. You've got sharp edges there on the outside, you know, and, and a lot of it just boils down to how that mouthpiece feels to you mm-hmm. as to how well you're going to play that call. You know, I mean, some guys are building and and they're big old fat mouthpieces. I find those a little bit harder to play than, than well, if it doesn't feel comfortable to you, you're not going to be able to play it really well. You know, yeah. that's, the, I guess, basically what it boils down to. If it doesn't feel comfortable, if it feels like a tube before, stick it in your mouth and, you know, you're not going to be able to play the call real well. And a lot of times, you know, you can take some, some 800 grit sandpaper or whatever you know get it down a little bit the way that it feels a little bit more comfortable to you Mm -hmm. so touching again on the lip stop how just so we know when we're first starting to to work one of these calls how far inside our our mouths our how far on our lips should that mouthpiece of that call be should it be like to where there's not any restriction from the inside of our lip over the opening of that call? No, no. Yeah. You do that, the only thing you're going to do is just draw a breath of air through that call. Right. Where that resonance comes from, and I mean, a lot of people play that call, a lot of people hold it down closer towards their chest. A lot of people hold it up. A lot of people play it off their top lip. A lot of people play it off their bottom lip. You know, you don't ever want that thing to go past your lips because where you're getting that sound from is whatever that air squeezes through your depressed lips and goes into that mouthpiece. You know, I mean, it's just like, okay, let's just say we're drinking a Pepsi Cola out of a straw. Mm-hmm. Okay, you start sucking on that thing, and it goes straight from the bottom of that, or from that cup, straight up through all the way to the back of your throat. All right, <clears throat> that's what that air is doing. But you got to pinch that air off somewhere or another, you know. And I mean that—that's where you're going to get that sound from—is whenever you pinch that thing down. So you know, you want—you never want it to stick all the way through your back lip. You want it somewhere in there, like I told you before, where you get that clear front end. You know, and then all you got to do is tighten up your lips a little bit more to get that yell. Do that again. Yeah, so you, you get the clear front. Now you... And I, whenever I say a lip stop adjustment, I don't mean go from a quarter inch down to five sixteenths. I mean sometimes it is just a minute amount. Right. I mean it might not be a thirty seconds before you get that sound, you know. And, and then whenever you do, you know, 
you know, then you're yelping. Let me try that one well, again. I'm not happy with that at all. <laughs> I told you it's going to be good for some laughs. <laughs> well, Andy, there again, I, I will say this to you, too, that a lot of calls right from the get-go, you know, whenever you get a, a guy's call that has been playing these calls and he hunts with these calls, he tries to make them the absolute best that he can because he's making them for himself. Now, if I'm making them to turn out 5,000 calls over there at $65 a pop, well, I won't use that. Let's just say $50 a pop. You know, that's all I'm concerned about. I, I'm looking at the dynamics of the call and the guy says, well, hey, I want me a trumpet call. Well, okay, I can get Mr. X is over here. It's going to cost me 125 to 150. I can get Mr. Y's call over here that I can get for 50 bucks. Nine times out of 10, Mr. X is hunting with his call. He has put forth the time and the effort and especially look at that guy and say, well, you know, is he building this thing or is he CNCing it or is he building it for production and just turning out X number of calls a year? But the thing about it is, is get you a reputable call maker, one that's been doing a little while. One of my one of my pet peeves is is a guy that says, "Well, you want my 2012 internals, or you want my 2013 internals?" Well, okay, let let's let the light bulb go off in our head. Yeah, what was wrong? in 2012 that made you change up your internals for 2013. Right. Something other maybe that you weren't satisfied with. You know, I, I mean, a lot of it boils down to you and the person, and a lot of it boils down to you and the call maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But right. as far as what you were playing that call a while ago, give me another example of that. Let, let, let's forget about the kiki. Everybody goes to the kiki. Uh, you know, I don't fall turkey hunt. I might do a single key in the spring, but but let's just hear you yelp on that call one time. All right. Okay. Well, right now you're sounding pretty good to me. That sounded good to me too. I could do that. Yeah. I can handle that. <laughs> well, like I said, here in the South, we don't have a fall season. So, you know, the Kiki is the most irrelevant call to me. I know a lot of guys, whenever they pick up a, a trumpet call, they want to make sure it will Kiki. Well, Dude, do you ever use that Kiki? I mean, like I said earlier, that one of the two or the two most best calls that you can use is yelping a club. Now, I'll tell you something of uh, a lot of calls will sound deep like that. One thing that a lot of folks don't know is just slide your hand up that bell a little bit. You know, I mean, everybody's been taught to hold it right down at the bottom of that bell, just as tight as you can get it, you know, between you 
your thumb and your and your index finger. Mm-hmm. Hold it down there, make you a good sound chamber. All right, now I'm gonna show you something. And and I'm gonna take my right hand and I'm gonna form me a good sound chamber. All right. I'm gonna slide this hand about a half inch up there and I'm gonna cut down that sound chamber a little bit. That's just by sliding a half inch up the barrel of that call, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, and, and one thing is, is bear in mind, spend time with your call. You want to see just how soft is the call. And I'll tell you, one of the things that has helped me the most is you've set up in the woods and you've heard tree yelping. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most important sounds. Learn that tree yelp. Learn that tree yelp. When you learn that tree yelp, you've learned air control. Right. Then once you learn that air control, if you want to get loud with it, but that tree yelp, learn to tree yelp. Yeah, you know, not, um, forget about the forget about the single calls that the guys say. Well, here here's a tree yelper. You know, right. one year you know, boy, I think I made a guy mad, and I, if I did, and if he's listening, I apologize, but. <laughs> You know, <laughs> he come up and he asked Russell about a tree yelper. Russell broke out his little clucking purr pot, which makes some dynamic little tree yelps and soft purrs and purrs and clucks. And he said, no, he said, I want one to play with your mouth. And Russell told him, he said, well, I don't know if anybody he said Mark might. And I'm kind of blunt sometimes and really don't mean to be and shouldn't ought to be. But I told him, I said, well, why do you want a separate call to carry with you? I said, you know, learn to play your trumpet call and make those tree yelps with it. Why why spend the money? Yeah, they're cool to look at, but why spend your money and tote an extra piece of equipment with you when if you learn to play your trumpet call, you can make those very same sounds. Right. So, you know, that that's just my philosophy on on that. But there there again, you got to start with a good call. Mm-hmm. If you want those sounds, you got to start with a good call. Yeah. That you know, you're talking about having your hand a little further up the bell. That was pretty interesting because that was a pretty drastic difference in the the tone of those two calls, the differences right. in those calls. Right. And I I haven't tinkered around with that as much as I have you know, just what you said, I've got my hand all the way down at the end of the bell. Yeah. And that's what I've been playing. So that's why it sounds so deep. Right, right. Well, you know, that's what I say. You know, I had a guy call me one time. He said, you know, he said, Jake is a, is a part of that flock too. He said, I want you to build me two yelpers that are tuned to a Jake. You know, I'm thinking, hey, I'm not doing that. I mean, I know how to build one that 
specifically sounds like a Jake. Mm-hmm. But I'm not doing that because the call for it is, is very rarely. And, you know, I mean, I know a lot of guys fall turkey hunt. But like I said, that, that key to it is, is that sound chamber. Get down way low. Slow your yelps down. Tighten your lips up. I mean, with that Jake yelp, you relax your lips. You want that hen yelp. My hands are staying the same place, but I'm going to tighten my lips up a little bit. Now, let me slide this hand up a half inch from there. I mean, you hear the difference in all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I can't say enough. Just learn to play the call that you got in your hand. And if you like it, you know, I mean, it's just like a shotgun. You've got shotguns that, okay, you may have a Remington 1100. You may have a Belgium Browning. You know, you may have a Beretta. Learn to shoot that one gun all the way through. Stick with it and learn aspects of each individual gun same way with a turkey call you know you you'll find that most guys that whenever they go to the woods they're not fixing to swap up trumpet calls they're not fixing to carry one guy's call this week another guy's call next week a third guy's call next the following week you know and the same way with box calls they're going to stick with what is tried and true to them because they work you know Mm -hmm. they put they put the effort in to playing those calls. But, you know, you sounded pretty good there a while ago. You just need to spend a little bit more time with that call. And like I said, sometimes it just takes that light bulb to go off in your head when somebody tells you play that call softer. I mean, I, I've i got a buddy that, that I've told, you know, he, he sounds like he's real short and snappy. And I've told him, I said, you know, back off the pressure. And a lot of guys don't understand that. And it's the same way with me. I didn't understand it even. And one day it just kind of hit me. And, and that's that's the mystery behind a, a trumpet call, backing off that pressure, not trying to get so much out of it. Because a man puts into it what he wants to. I mean, you, you, if you got a trumpet call that will call turkeys from two counties over with, then nine times out of ten, you're not going to be able to call soft with it. Right. But everybody, and, and I'll tell you, I, I've been in the woods before, too, and I know you have, too, Andy, where a, a call like this, and, and you're you're standing down beside a swamp, and that sound just resonates out through those trees. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and a lot of times, if a guy that plays a call softly, the, the more pressure you put on that call, you're going to start to lose your rollover out of it. You're not going to get any more out of that call than what it was designed to give. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing I tell people with hen bones. Now, I can build a gobbler bone that, that you can really get down on, but most hen bones are designed to call softly from, from medium to soft. Yeah.
that's about as loud as I want to get with that call. Now, when I drop it down and play it one-handed, The more pressure I put on this call, the more I'm going to lose my rollover in that call. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just finding out what your call will do, and then don't exceed that maximum pressure that you put on it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you mentioned something about the volume on the call, and there's a couple of things I want to say. So what I've been doing, you know, I've, I've been trying to work on cutting my my pressure, cutting my volume down and get quieter on it. And I'm, I get very inconsistent when I do that, but I'm, what I'm doing to compensate for that right now is really closing off the sound chamber and, and, you know, making it to where that sound is pretty much dying in my hand. Right. I know, I know that's affecting the sound, you know, or the tone of that call for someone that's away from it, listening to it compared to having that sound chamber open. But, you know, for me right now, that's the best way that I know how to control the volume on it. So I've got to continue to work on, on getting softer with it. And what really kind of drove that point home to me was this weekend, I said, well, I'm going, when I go out to my deer stand, I'm taking my call, my trumpet call with me, and I'm going to run it in the woods and, and just, you know, kind of get a feel of what's going on because I don't want to be in the woods practicing it come March the 1st. Right. You know, making yelps and maybe I'm good enough to get a gobbler's attention and, you know, he comes running up and I'm standing there in my white T-shirt and blue jeans in the middle of a logging road. <laughs> so I, I realized how loudly I am playing that call. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that is about as loud as I feel like I play my diaphragm calls. And that's probably too loud. And so, yeah, I know I need to be cutting back on, on my volume. And I was really, and I know the lay of the land has a lot to do with how far that sound carries and how much we can hear it. And the humidity makes a difference and the wind makes a difference and the leaves on the trees make a difference and blah, blah, blah. There's a million things that affect that. But the sound on that trumpet call carries through the woods like not much that I've heard. I was really surprised. I thought, you know, this probably would be decent to use on a windy day, too. Well, you know, let let me say something about that. A friend of mine, he and I went to San Angelino, Texas one time. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's wide open. You know, he's a well-known pot call maker. Well, it's Steve Reeves. That's who it is. Uh, Steve and I are big buddies, have been for several years. And, you know, I, I've got one of everything except for one of everything that Steve's ever built. And Steve and I went out there one year, and I broke out my pot call. That sound like sounded like it went about 35 feet out there and just dropped off. Mm-hmm. Okay, I broke out my trumpet. It sounded like it went maybe 40 feet out there and blocked off. That whole time out there, I hunted with a mouth call. And the reason I did was when you got something other in your mouth like that, you don't actually hear that sound. You're hearing the vibration that's in your head. Right. You know, and so to me, that mouth call sound like it was projecting the furthest. Mm-hmm. And that is a big misconception. 
I mean, it's wide open out there. The wind's blowing, and you sitting here blowing that mouth call for all that you're worth, and it sounds loud to you, but yet you're not really hearing it. You're just getting the vibrations from it, you know, just like one's voice. So that's what I hunted with. Well, we killed turkeys out there, but whenever you get back home and you get in a swamp here, and you just make that little pop, 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 and that sound just rolls down through that swamp because you got something other that's bringing that sound back to you, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know that that builds you your confidence when you're hunting where we hunt at. But now don't be fooled. I mean that trumpet call is probably going further than any other call out there. You know, and one of the things that I like about them is that they are directional. I mean, you know, right. I sit here and play this call, you know, and 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 I don't stick my finger up the bell. You know, I used to. I got where I quit doing that. I just lay my my middle finger across the end of it. You know, if I want to quieten down the sound a little bit, but. But really and truly, it just boils down to your air control as to how loud you are. Like I said, I've sent in that camper. I can't tell you the number of nights to see just how soft I could play a call. Mm-hmm. And once you learn to play that call real soft, then you learn your air control on it. And it's mind game. And I'll tell you another little secret, too. If you've got a guy that's got... Let's just say he's got 12 guys' trumpet calls. As a general rule, they're, every one of them going to sound just the same, and a lot of times he's not getting the best out of the best call. There again, it boils back down to spending time with each individual call, and whenever you go to the woods on a weekend morning or a weekday and you say, well, I've got so-and-so's call here with me, you know, you need to get in your mind that, hey, this is so-and-so's call. I know how to play this call. I know that I can't play it as hard as what I can. Mr. X's call over there. So you play the call accordingly. And like I said, I, I quit several years ago of sticking my finger up inside that bell. I mean, I just lay, I just lay that finger across and cut down the, the thing, the opening in that call, but I don't ever stick that finger up inside that bell i mean because i found that if i stick my finger up in there i got a big old fat finger i can't judge where it's at but if i lay that finger across that opening i mean i can judge that sound so between that and the sound chamber that you form with your other hand, you know, that's, that's, that's key to the sound. You know, I mean, I, I played a lot of guys calls and, you know, everybody wants to know, well, what do you think about it? And I said, well, it, it sounds good to me, you know? Uh, so, you know, it, it's just finding one that you like. Hey, that's your call, but don't sit there and think that you've got to collect everybody that builds a trumpet calls call you know and i found that most of these guys want you to be honest with them you know if this call if it is if it seems like it plays kind of hard tell the guy he's not going to ever get any better unless you tell him hey you know uh, taking me a lot of air to run this call you know 
So you tell him it sounds good, he's going to keep building them the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, give him some constructive criticism. But don't get out there and bash him about it. Just tell him, you know, you and him together, tell him what you think about it and and tell him what you'd like to hear in the call and, and, you know, y'all can go from there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good advice, especially having come back not too long ago from Unicoi. These guys that are Unicoi and, you know, I'll tell you all the rest of the custom call makers out there, they really care what what their calls sound like. I mean, their reputation rides on it. Their names are on those calls. And so I tell my clients this. So whether you know this about me or not, so I own a mortgage company and that's my, I would say eight to five job, but it's more like a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. job. But because I own the company, I don't have a boss that can tell me what I'm doing right or doing wrong. It's it's my clients, it's my customers. What did I do good? What did I not do good? And if you don't tell me what I did not do good or did not do right, I cannot get better. I always want to be better. Well, you know, it's just like I told you earlier, that Saturday is generally the day that I go around to all the people there at Unicoi. Have you had a good show? You know, what can we do here? What can we do there? And so I'm just like you whenever it comes to Unicoi. You know, I'm, we want to make this show the best show that there is out there. And so, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to call a guy up and ask him, hey, can you accept some constructive criticism? And if he says, yeah, I mean, you know, don't beat him over the head. But, you know, I mean, always be honest with a guy. That, that That's the biggest thing is people are expecting honesty. You know, I mean, I've seen guys post up calls, and, and probably I have too, you know, and people sit there and give you kudos. Man, hey, man, that thing just fit in feathers. But really and truly as a call maker, and I think everybody's in agreement with me, that they just want the honest truth. If this call plays, hey, tell them it plays. If if it's a little bit hard to play, mm-hmm. then tell the guy, hey, a little bit tough on me to play. I mean, uh, it, you know, the old saying is that practice makes perfect. But the real saying is is that perfect practice makes perfect. You know, I mean, if I'm consistently doing something other wrong, I won't ever get any better. And, I mean, I, right. I feel the same way about my calls. I mean, if you call me and say, well, you know, this call don't play as easy as I thought it would. Well, you know, let me know. I mean, I'll try to do something other different. And that's the difference in a custom-made call versus a production-made call. Production-made call, number one, they're going to be cheaper. You know, you pay for that production-made calls, and he sells, let's just say he sells a 1,000 of them. Okay, let's just say that 800 of them are thrown in the garbage. Well, he knows that next year he's still going to sell the same 1,000. But with a custom guy, if he sells 100 of them and, you know, he gets rebuttal back that 80 of them weren't what he designed to play and to build, then he's going to have to change what he's doing, you know. And, and that's that's the thing with a custom guy, you know. And I know a good friend of mine, he had a guy request a certain size hole up through his trumpet, you know. Guy, 
the other guy had been building trumpets for years, and he wanted a certain size hole up through that mouthpiece. Well, the custom guy built that for him. You know, you're not going to get that in a production call. You're not going to get that in a $50 call. These guys that build these trumpets on a custom basis, they love what they're doing. You know, they aim to please their customers because nobody likes to see get on a forum over here on eBay and see their calls up for sale. They aim to please, you know, and that's my, I guess that's my little throw in there for the custom guys versus the production guys calls. They want to please Listen, Andy, if I sell you, if I built 100 calls this year, I want you to be just as pleased as what number 100 over there was. And if you're not, send it back. You know, we'll make it good. Production guy, he says, "Ah, okay, well, that guy's not pleased with my call. Who cares about him? You know, but. No doubt. Well, Mark. You already know this. I could sit here and talk to you all night long. In fact, I've had you on the phone for two hours and 20 minutes so far, even though not all that's going to make it on the show. (laughs) Because you and I had a a nice hour-long conversation before I even hit record. And, you know, I always enjoy talking to you, but I do know that I'm keeping you from making calls and I'm keeping you from going and spending some time with your wife this evening. And listen, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me honk on this trumpet call <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and give me some tips and give me some advice and tell me a little, teach me a little bit more about these calls and everything else. You know, I think that there's a lot of good information that a lot of listeners can get out of that because I think I've gotten a a good bit out of it. And so I'm going to keep tinkering with this thing, keep practicing with it and get it to where it's right and to where I'm consistent with it. And that's, that's going to be the key. But before I do cut you loose, if somebody listening to the show wants to get in touch with you and talk turkey with you, but preferably talk to you about buying one of your bamboo calls yep. or reed calls or wingbone calls. How can they find well, you? Well, Andy, I've got a Facebook page over there, and really and truly, and I'm on several forum sites. I'm kind of a hands-on guy. If a guy's really wanting to call from me, dial me up. My number is 912-531-1845. You know, I, I'd really rather talk to a guy than I had to go through private messages on Facebook or on any of the forums. You know, that tells me that a guy is serious about wanting to call from me. You know, and don't hide behind a, uh, a forum name. Tell me who you are. You know, I mean, you know, all these guys, I, I go by M Sharp on the forums over there. That means Mark Sharp. And I'm Mark Sharp on Facebook. Uh, you know, I don't have anything to hide. I'm not an internet keyboard guy. So give me a call. You know, I'll be more than happy. I love talking to people, as you can well see. <laughs> but, you know, that that's how you get in touch with me. I, I don't really like corresponding through emails. I, I like a hands-on approach. 
my dad had a gift of gab, and I guess he passed that on to me too, as you probably well know. But anyway, that, that's how you get in touch with me. And Andy, I'm like you, man. I I could talk to you all night long, and yeah, you and I had an hour long conversation. And you know, I look forward to seeing you up there in Nashville. And you know, if you got any more questions. Yeah, hey, I'll be there, and if I don't run up with you, bump me on my cell phone, and uh, we'll get together, and and I'll probably have two or three calls around my neck, not for sale, but, you know, I mean, that's just who I am. I bring my calls with me, and I'll be more than happy to you and anybody else that's got a question about it. I'll be more than happy to help anybody out with with what I think on it. Like I said, I'm by no means a ain't sure enough professional at it but you know i mean i'll tell you what i what i think and what i know yeah yeah well you and i have been on the phone for a while but it sure does not (laughs) feel like it has been a while you know i i enjoyed the topic uh, or topics of our conversation and i enjoyed the person i was having a conversation with so it's been a good phone call for me all the way around so i appreciate your time very much so thank you again and you guys listening if you're in the market for a good wing bone or air operated call with his reed calls and bamboo calls give mark a call i mean he's just a great guy and as you can tell willing to bend over backwards to help us all out and that's it that speaks volumes in and of itself so on that note, thank you, sir. I appreciate you very much, and I look forward to seeing you here in next week. Wow, yeah, a little over a week. Yeah. All right. Well, Andy, that? I thank you Man. too. I mean, you you've been a super fine guy to work with. You know, you and I have had several conversations and podcasts and all. You know, and I thank you what you did at Unicoi. You know, I thank you what you've done in the in in the previous weeks and all. You know, you know, I I just enjoy doing them with you because you're such an easy guy to talk to. So, you know, uh, look forward to seeing you next weekend well, up at Nashville. That. Sounds fantastic. Looking forward yes, to sir, it. Yes, sir. You, you do the same. Have a great night. All right. Bye-bye. All right, buddy. I hope you guys enjoyed that call with Mark. I have to tell you that as much as I originally thought it would be hard to get a lesson on playing a trumpet caller by phone and not in person, I learned a lot from Mark that's helping me with my trumpet calling. I planned on playing the trumpet for you guys today in hopes of showing you that my play has improved since talking to Mark, but I came down with a very mild cold, thankfully it was mild, over the weekend, and that has turned into a sinus infection, which you can probably tell that I don't really sound like my normal mumbling self. I know that you guys don't want to hear me gasping for a breath of air after each series of yelps because I'm a mouth breather for the time being. And I've put the call down for a week to keep from reinfecting myself with a cold by putting the mouthpiece of that call in my mouth again and again and again, getting my cold germs all over it. Anyway, I may play it for you guys next week. I've got to practice with it again because I'm almost a full week without playing it. And I'm sure that I'm going to revert back to some of my poor habits. So I probably will end up listening to this call with Mark one more time. Okay, that is all that I have for you guys today. My favor of the week, because we have quite a few new listeners to the show. And thank you guys for listening. I appreciate that very much. If you have not already done so, 
If you would, please leave a five-star rating and a review on your podcast player application that you listen to the show with. That would be a huge help because you probably looked at reviews before you subscribe to the show on your podcast player. So those reviews are very helpful for any new listeners who happen to stumble across the show. And favorite number two, don't forget to hit me up if you're going to be in Nashville this weekend. I'd love to meet you, seriously. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.